Hello and welcome to this Expert Insights CD. I'm Donna Hansen. Our Expert Insights CD series is designed to give professionals access to the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on productivity, performance and achievement, both business and personally. We know that these days <clears throat> it's often hard to find time to step outside your world and explore what's happening in other organisations. Our Expert Insights CDs are designed to provide you with concise information on topics relevant to you on a regular basis in a format that maximises your time and keeps you up to date with current trends. In this Expert Insights CD, we speak with Belinda Rosenblum about money stress and how it could be impacting on your own or your organisational productivity. But before I introduce Belinda, let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a CPA and a wealth expert who helps you take charge of your money. She believes life is supposed to be fun and money is supposed to fund it for you. Belinda left her thriving corporate role to found ownyourmoney.com and lead a movement to change our entire perspective on money from a source of fear, shame and judgment to one of joy, ease and confidence. Belinda is the creator of the Money Makers Academy and the co-author of Self Worth to Net Worth, 12 Keys to Creating Wealth Inside and Out, offering a step-by-step -step approach to help you build your financial self-esteem and manage your own financial life. If she's not talking about financial freedom, Belinda is likely enjoying the sunshine and chasing after a marathon running husband and two small kids. <laughs> marathon running husband, that, that scares me, Belinda. <laughs> oh, welcome. Yeah, that's right. Welcome. Thank you so much, Donna. I'm excited to be here with you. Look, Belinda, a lot of our listeners work in business areas such as human resources or learning and development or even finance or sales, or they might own their own business. And I, I know you work with individuals around their money mindset, but for those in larger organisations, how could working with their staff on money management and money mindset be beneficial to their organisation? Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Donna, for even asking that because it really, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about having me um, be an expert on your CDs. I love that you appreciate the fact that workers are more distracted, more absent, less confident, and less productive when they have money fears on their mind. And mm. it's so interesting because it's like there's a part of us that knows, but it's that we don't often want to face it right? But yeah. it's all around us and it's just that we've never really learned. We're often so smart and successful in so many areas, but we never got this money thing handled. And as a result, money remains the number one source of stress in our lives, beating out work, family responsibilities, and health concerns. And the money worries actually affect our health even, right? One in five say that they've skipped or are considering skipping a visit to the doctor when they needed health care in the past year because of financial factors, and that ultimately ends up cause, you know, costing the company more money because it, it means more absenteeism, it means more health care costs. 32% say that lack of money prevents them from living a healthy lifestyle. 31% who were surveyed reported that money was a major source of conflict in their relationship, and most people still hold that money is the number one source of stress and really cause of divorce in 
in marriages and breaking up marriages. I mean, it's partly why I really am so passionate about helping people to to really step into their power with money instead of letting money own them. I mean, that's a lot of why my company's even called own your money (laughs) well it's really interesting because um it's something that they don't teach in schools and i know that robert kiyosaki who wrote the book rich dad poor dad was um very um very much an advocate for financial intelligence as we go through schooling but they don't they don't teach it to you in school unless you're going into a financial career so you go to university or in your case college and uh you know you study that element of it for a lot of people People, um, I know when I was a, a child, my parents uh, came out of the Depression era and money was not a subject that you talked about. Every Friday night, they'd get their, their pay packet and they'd sit in the kitchen and they'd work out where all the money was going and, and you were closed off to that. Those were the sorts of things that weren't discussed. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it still remains a taboo topic today, at least our own money. Oftentimes, people would rather talk about other people's money, like, mm. you know, on TV or in on TV shows but it's um, or in the news. But when it comes to our own money, it's very personal. It's like we'd rather talk about anything else generally instead of our money. And it's often rooted in this deeper... Um, taboo that money often received from our parents, from our grandparents. And I think that that's partly why four out of five employers report that their employees' financial issues are impacting their job performance and resulting in 60% of workers reporting an inability to focus at work. Mm. And a third, you know, reporting higher absenteeism and tardiness. It's like all of these things are contributing because we're not actually able to talk about it in in a smart way. And, you know, it's interesting because I was actually an accounting major in college. Mm-hmm. And I still never learned personal finance in school. Like I can do debits and credits and corporate accounting, but I was never even taught real like how do you have an abundant mindset how do you how do you actually manage your own personal money Mm. it was still never even taught even as an accounting major and it's interesting because I find that people in finance now I've spoken at a lot of the big um, organizations in the United States and it's so interesting because I find that oftentimes they suffer from what I call finance fatigue it's like when you deal with it so much during the day And I may have some CPAs or CFOs like nodding their heads, you know, because it's like when you deal with it so much during the day, the last thing you really want to do is go home and track your money. Absolutely. And figure out where it went. Absolutely. That's why like so much of my approach is I need to find a way to make it fun for you Mm. and desirable and tie it to what money can bring you because I believe that when it's money solely for accumulation and for money's sake, it often feels very empty. Mm. And so as we're able to to start a new a new story, a new approach, like a new way to talk about money, this isn't the same like I can't afford it, never enough conversation. This is really a new empowered conversation that I'm looking to bring where it's not too late to make the changes and create the life that you want for you, for your team. And really allow money to help fund that. You know, that's why when you said earlier in my bio, you know, life is supposed to be fun Mm. and let's let money fund it for you. But it's like we can't ever get there when we stay in the stress 
and distraction of it instead. Well, you, you've actually raised two really, really interesting things that I'd like to elaborate on a bit more. The first is, you know, for those people who are listening who think that this may not be an issue in their organisation, it's not that the issue doesn't exist, it's just that people aren't talking about it. So I'm really hoping even something as simple as this CD is a mechanism to start a conversation internally within an organisation to recognise that there's the possibility that people within your teams, within your organisations may be suffering from financial stress and are just desperately trying to keep their head above water and if an organisation is able to provide some sort of resource that can help support them through that then you know you're not only going to get um, you know better attention of staff because people feel like they're valued because somebody really cares about what's happening to them but um, you know it, it just creates a more um, uh, a happier environment that that was the first thing and then the second thing I, you, you, you touched on um, was about not having enough and I think if, if we can start to um, work from the basis of an abundance mentality and people f start to feel better about money well then what's happening is that radiates out through the business and it's like the happiness factor when people feel like giving and, and so forth that flows out and in the end it, it hits the external customers as well as the internal customers doesn't it oh my gosh absolutely and it's actually a, even a straighter impact than you might imagine because it's like when you're feeling if you can just take for a moment and put yourself in the in the role in the seat of the person who's having trouble paying their bills and wondering how they're going to get by and they're they're like at the lowest level of Maslow's hierarchy and you'd be amazed at how many people really live month to month with their money mm. because they they've never really learned how to how to track it in a way that's going to work right they're just really afraid of looking at it and somehow they think that if I don't look at it it'll get better well I can tell you what normally happens is that they don't look at it and then it gets worse yep and so they you know, every conversation is a little bit shorter. They're a little bit more desperate. Uh, you know, oftentimes they're off looking for new jobs because they need a raise, right? And yep. it's like they never really allow themselves to be grateful for the job that they have and get to the level of customer service outside and inside the organization. I mean, my background is in corporate. I was a um, an auditor for one of the big accounting firms for 12 years and then I was a divisional controller for four years so I was that corporate person like I lived that and it's interesting now when I kind of look back at it and I was almost this like financial therapist <laughs> people would like come to me and just talk to me about things because I was very open and was willing to have that conversation um, but it's so interesting because people don't really have that outlet in their organizations absolutely the and so they just sit with it and almost like linger in the suffering because they don't really feel like there's somebody that they can talk to or someplace where they can get this kind of an understanding and so as a result they're not able to give the performance that they really could if they had this area of their life feeling great and handled and you know well, so much of what I get to do is give people a, a a space and a voice to bring to the surface what they've spent a lot of energy hiding. And, and I think that you touched on something there. People are frightened of being judged. 
and they're frightened of being judged because nobody wants to feel like they're not in control, particularly as far as their finances are concerned. And it, and it almost people feel like it has a shame element to it. But then you think about it and you go, you know, how can you be possibly be good at something if you don't know how to do it? It's like a child trying to tie a shoelace. How do you judge a child for not being able to do up their shoelace if they've never been shown how to do it? Right, but I totally agree with you. And what ends up happening is that it seems like everybody else knows what they're doing. Yeah. So so I would say most people walk around with a lot of shame that they don't, you know, they're not doing as well as the next person because it seems like the next person has their stuff handled around money. Because they've got the car or they've got the house or they're going on a holiday. They're using all these material measures rather than, you know, how, how we feel. I, I could uh, I could go on for ages, but I know we're going to be <laughs> short on for time. Um, Belinda, let's go back a step. Um, you mentioned about coming from a corporate environment. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about how you came to be a, a wealth expert? You, you touched on it as being uh, the sort of go-to person. Absolutely. So, so I worked in corporate, you know, in the accounting firm and then as a divisional controller. And then I left there. And it was interesting because I felt like I had this greater calling that I was just starting to tap into um, in these side conversations. But really, I had gotten to the point in my job where I felt like I was checking my personality at the door. Uh. So I was able to take off a year and a half and to really step away from what I was doing. And fortunately, I had negotiated well when I took that role and um, traveled around the world a little bit. Like I went to India, I went to Israel. I um, literally did like the Eat, Pray, Love, if you remember that <laughs> yep, yep. before it was a hit. Um, you know, and I volunteered in Costa Rica for this um, program for underprivileged teenagers. And really, like, took a step back to say, like, what is it that I want to do? And I almost became a financial advisor, actually. But what I found was that there are so many advisors out there who want to teach you how to invest, right? And almost like a, a doctor around yep. your finances and give you a prescription. And what I realized was that I was more of that nurse. I wanted to nurture you and bring you back to health and like sustainable long-term health. It wasn't like give you a quick fix. It's like how do we heal you? So I was joking like financial therapist, right? Because mm -hmm. there's a mindset component to it that isn't necessarily this quick fix. But what's so amazing actually is that I've, I've brought it down to this place now where it's more of a system to help people to create this new mindset around money without the blame and the shame and then be willing to get the education and then take action. And without coming from this place of like shooting on themselves, I should know this, you know, what's wrong with me? Yep. It's really like, wait a second, she just let me off the hook. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> of course I don't know. She never learned this, I never learned this. Like, let me learn it now. And it's so important that as we're working through this that you understand that there is an inner game around money and an outer game. Oftentimes we'll just read tips in a magazine or see them on TV or something and think like, okay, it's just that easy. Let me do those little steps. But really what happens most of the time is that people know what to do, but they're not doing it. Yep, yep. 
And that's where the inner game comes in. You know, you, you mentioned it as mindset earlier. You know, that's really where we can take a look at our beliefs and our thoughts and our attitudes about money. And once we can dive into those and understand how to shift them so that we take what generally is a pretty negative, um, what I call our BS, <laughs> our belief systems about money, and we take what what defaults into a pretty negative set of beliefs and we start to shift them, then it's amazing what can really start to open up. And that's all part of mastering the inner game. And it's been interesting because I've loved that, I mean, I've been doing this now for over nine years, almost 10, and have been able to support people through webinars and online classes all around the world. And it's been funny because I feel like no matter what the currency is, when it comes to this inner game and this outer game, we all have it. Hmm. And it's just a choice if we want to play the game or unconsciously lose the game. Because <laughs> that's what happens so much of the time when we don't have an awareness about this. Hmm. Again, no shame. It's like before me, maybe you never even thought about the fact that there was an inner game. Maybe you just felt like, oh, sometimes I have these negative feelings or thoughts about money. Hmm. Right. And you just left it at that. But what's happening is that that little bit that erodes your self-confidence or just imagine this for your entire organization, how many people are probably living with this place where they're avoiding something about money or they're hiding something and then they're not nearly the owners of their own money or really of your company's money. Right. And mm -hmm. and the best attitude that they can bring because of the stress that they're facing. Belinda, you've got me curious. Now, I'm sorry, this may be a bit, a little bit personal, but why are you so connected to helping people stop avoiding their money? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll share it with you, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, so I found myself at age 28 sitting at my dining room table and literally like I couldn't breathe. And I was sitting at that table looking at three stacks of mail and bills that if it, they had a mass for me and for my father and my family. And literally, I felt like they, they were taller than I was at the table. Wow. And it's interesting because I'll take you back seven years. I was 21. I just graduated college and my father had a stroke. And I took on this role. It wasn't a role that I necessarily had wanted, but there was kind of by default, I became the family CFO. And then over the next seven years, I had band-aided things together and kind of pieced it together enough to get by, but essentially it was like a rinse and repeat. I would come home, I would get all this mail, and I would just throw it on a table on any free surface in my house. <laughs> and I was working for one of the big firms, and I was just traveling a ton. And I, um, and I just let it get out of control, honestly. And I was avoiding it because I didn't have the energy. I would just come home and I was tired. And so one day my sister had asked me, you know, Belinda, how are you doing? How are you keeping it all together? I know you just have so much going on. You're on the road so much and there's really a lot of pressure on you to keep it all together. And so in that moment, I just took a breath and I paused and I couldn't keep kind of living a lie. Like I just made like everything was fine. 
And I think that that's what a lot of people do around money. They just put their head down and they, they try and focus on work, but really under the surface, they don't have their things together. And she was right. It was a lot. I had eight bank accounts and four credit cards and two properties. I mean, you could have added a partridge in a pear tree and then <laughs> complete. Right? Wow. And so, so I'm sitting at the table now and my self-talk starts to go wild. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you know, is my father going to go to a doctor and they're not going to see him because I haven't paid the bills? Or could he get kicked out of his nursing home, right, because I wasn't keeping current? Or what if my employer found out that I really didn't have things handled at home? What was that going to, you know, what impact was that going to have? And then in that moment, I just stopped and I, I took a breath and I had what I affectionately call my come to Jesus moment. It's funny because I'm Jewish. <laughs> and I realized that I had a choice. I could keep avoiding. I could keep letting that overwhelm build up. I could keep feeling owned by my money and my bills. Or I could do what I've been able to do in other areas of my life and learn. Mm -hmm. I could learn how to be successful. I could learn how to face it. And I could learn how to own my money. And so I had to ask for help. I, I mean, literally, I gotten so paralyzed, Anna, in this, um, in this area that I had to have, I called a friend and she came over and she would have to open up the mail for me and then she would ask me, do you want to pay this or can I recycle this? And so it took six months, honestly, of wow. studying and reading because it's funny, the mail doesn't stop. <laughs> Just because I decided that I wanted to address this, the mail kept coming. <laughs> And so, and I, and I really wanted to learn and find something that was going to be sustainable. I think that was also what was really important to me. Again, it wasn't like I could band-aid it anymore. It was like I wanted to find a system a, around the money management side and around the mindset side. A real solution that could that you could implement and, and feel like you were taking back control. Exactly. And then keep control. So, mm. I mean, it just brought such relief and hope. And Yeah. Do you find that, that most people avoid their finances? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I find that, I mean, most people are not talking about this. Keep in mind, like, I'm a bit of a confessional for people. <laughs> and I've worked with VPs of banks, even, and bookkeepers, and, and very powerful people. And they're great at what they do. But they've just never learned how to really address their finances in a way that can fit into their lifestyle, right? So mm. it's like now I get to help people to be able to step into the place where they can own their money too because I know firsthand what that can feel like and what that can do to you and how that really does take away from the um, ability that I had to be really successful at work. Like I made like it didn't, but if I – in, in hindsight, if I look back and I'm really honest, it absolutely has an impact. And it it's like people will come to me and say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired yeah. and not being able to tell anybody about it. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, look, I know that you, you've, we've talked um, before we, we started recording and I know you've got a three-step, I'm getting tongue-tied, a three-step system to get unstuck and help people face their finances with a bit more confidence. Tell us a little about that, that system. What's step number one? Certainly, I'd love to because it's a great way to help people start moving forward and to start to recognize, you know, is this what I'm in or can I start to bring this um, to have people in the organization recognize it. So the first one is to identify what or who you're avoiding. Mm -hmm. That's step one. 
Mm-hmm. So there's so much pain in the not knowing. It causes frustration and worry and overwhelm, and then that becomes your comfort zone. And what I found is that people would often, they often stay comfortable and unhappy instead of getting a little bit uncomfortable to be truly happy. So what I want everybody to do is, is just start to brain dump here and create a list of what those incompletes are for you. You know, just write down on, take out a pen and paper or open it up on your computer and just write for, for yourself or you can imagine for other people that you know, um, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and just start filling it in. You know, what are the things that are weighing on you around money? What's mm-hmm. that like to-do list that just stays stuck in your head? And so as we can start to put it down on paper, we can start to take the emotion out of it because oftentimes there's such a personal and personal finance that we're, we get stuck in the emotion, honestly. And so I find, if you've ever heard of the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, yep. right? what ends up happening is that 80% of it's fine, but the 20% is causing us such distraction and pain and stress in our life. And so look at that list now. So you've jotted down a few items that need to be done, right? Now order them based on the pain and distraction that they're causing and then also how much real dollars are are affected by each of those items. So it could be something like you're procrastinating, um, looking at some bills, paying some bills, catching up on your taxes. Um, there, I, I say also identify who you're avoiding because sometimes your people are avoiding talking with their boss, talking with their team. I had one client who was avoiding talking with their boss about getting a raise and a promotion. She had gotten more schooling and it was her time, but her boss was busy with a lot of other things and wasn't paying attention, right? So there was even a a raise that she was due. But what happens is that people aren't having that conversation, right? They're not feeling powerful about money because they have this list of things that are weighing on them. So that's all the first one is to identify what or who you're avoiding. Okay, so now we know what we're avoiding or who we're avoiding. Um, does it matter how much money we're losing from that avoiding? Because sometimes we, we just don't necessarily articulate what we could be losing financially. Absolutely, and I find that that's when you can start to that's step two actually is identify how much you're avoiding is costing you Uh because when people are stuck around money and this is this is i mean literally million billions of people even probably um aren't really facing their finances and especially not facing them with confidence and so what happens is that we keep going about our comfort zone about our default patterns and we're not recognizing that there's an impact that that avoiding is having on our life right now. It's an impact on who we're not being. It's distracting us from being present, right? There's so much that's happening, but we never actually link the fact that us not looking at it is actually costing us real money. And so I'll give you a quick example. So there was a couple that had come to me and they were trying to understand why the numbers weren't working out in their life. They were like, you know, we just started looking closer at our credit card bills and at our home equity line and we realized that we've now taken out almost $80,000 
Wow. Between the credit card debt and the home equity line. And a lot of times people don't realize it because it's like a few thousand here, 5,000 here, 10,000 here, and then over three years it amasses. And so what we did was I took a moment with them and I said, okay, I can absolutely help you. Let's take a closer look at the numbers together. And I helped them work through some of the mindsets so that they were willing to look at it. And so what we came to realize is that they were bringing in net of about $6,000 a month, which seems like it would be okay, except that they were spending $8,000 a month. Wow. So they were actually going right. backwards and they just weren't backwards. being honest to themselves. Yeah. So it was costing them $2,000 a month by not looking at this. Mm. Right. And so it's like we, we, and we just don't equate the fact that if we looked at it, something could get better. Mm. So I want everybody right now to calculate their own inaction factor, I call, mm. call it. So this is like, let's calculate for you what it's costing you to not take the actions that you could be taking around money. So let's put a number to it. So the first key to this is how much do you think that you may be wasting, overspending, losing by not tracking your money, like not doing the things that you know you could do, whether it's on the income side or it's oftentimes what money may be leaking out of your account every month. And it's oftentimes by not paying attention. So, so, I mean, that creates a couple of things. First of all, you know, obviously it creates stress because if you get to the end of the month and some people live life and they have more month than money mm -hmm. um, and it, it impacts on your fun in life. You know, you can't do the things you want to do. You can't go out for dinner with friends because, you know, you don't have the funds to do that or, um, you know, and you feel like um, it's like going on a diet, isn't it? People feel like they're deprived. Right, and so what happens when you feel deprived, you often react the other way. Mm. So a lot of times what people do is they do it anyway, and then they feel guilty about it, mm. or then they, they don't really get to enjoy whatever it is, or then they judge themselves. You know, you mentioned earlier in terms of people feeling judged mm. by others, I think it was, you know, but yep. I find that oftentimes we're the harshest critics on ourselves mm. much of the time, mm. and that we spend so much energy covering this up. So it's like, gosh, if we could be clean about this and be transparent and learn how to be successful with money, what does that open up? Like you, we can just harness that energy <laughs> that gets spent in the hiding and, and redirect that to so much more fun and productive activities. And so if you can start to know what is it for yourself, like if you look at each month, how much do you think? If you put a little bit more attention to it, I have to tell you, Don, it's usually on the low end of two hundred to five hundred dollars a month. It's oftentimes a thousand to two thousand dollars wow. every month. That I'm, I mean, I've looked at so many people spending. I can't even tell you. Um, and so, <laughs> ten years almost, right? There's a lot of a lot of spending plans. I've looked at. <laughs> and so, um, or not even plans, just like actual spending. And so then take that number and multiply it by 12. So let's just say it's in that middle. It's 1,000. You multiply it by 12. That's $12,000 in a year that it's costing you or costing your employees to not look at this. Multiply wow. that by five. Over five years, it's $60,000. And so you can see from that client that came to me, $2,000 a month 
in a year is $24,000. In three years plus interest, it's easily $80,000. Wow. So um, step A is identify. Uh, step B or step two is quantify from a, a dollar perspective. What's the third step? Identify why you're avoiding. Hmm. And so it's as soon as you can get in touch with why you're avoiding. So I'll give you some common examples. It's often related to old habits. It's like it's like you are your habits. And so oftentimes you just never developed new, different, better habits. Sometimes it's a perfection thing. It's like you're so afraid that you can't do it perfectly to track your money, then you don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Other times people are afraid, right? They're afraid of what they're going to find. They're afraid that the numbers won't work out, so they just don't want to look. Um, other times it's shame. Um, you know, where it's like, God, I can't believe that I let it get this bad, or what if my partner finds out? And so we just, it ends up compounding on itself, but a lot of times shame will keep people from looking at it. And other times it's a past trigger event. So I shared, for instance, in my own world, what happened to me and I'm 28 and I'm sitting at that dining room table being literally feeling like I'm stared down by my bills and my mail. So sometimes when people get to a similar state for themselves, and even now I have to make sure that my bills and mail don't pile up because when they do, it's amazing how it like harkens back to that time yep. nearly 20 years ago now that I felt that way. Wow. Right? And then it has me want to like not look at it and not go there and like I need to take a breath. And you know, other times people are avoiding confrontation. Like they know that if they talk to their partner they can make it better, but they're really afraid of that confrontation and so they don't ever go there so they just keep avoiding it for themselves, for their families. And it was interesting because I worked with this client, Meg, and she she was able to stop feeling guilty when she realized that she was so afraid to talk about money with her husband because she saw her parents fight about money. Mm. Right? Mm. And so then once she was like, oh, that's why I'm avoiding it. Wow. It's just because my parents couldn't talk about it. So, And whenever they did, it, it caused fights. And I don't want to fight with my husband, so... I'm going to take the high road and just not talk about it. Wow. And so it was once I had her start to recognize it in this very non-judgmental way, then we could start to take different actions. She changed her behavior. She did a bunch of like retail therapy kind of thing. Like she would just spend money on things that didn't really matter. And so much of the time people spend in ways that don't really line up with their values, but they're not ever looking so they're not really realizing it so in her we in her case we helped her save twelve thousand dollars wow less than six months wow now belinda i know we're fast running out of time and and i've got a couple more things i want to ask so could you just quickly recap on those three steps for us again certainly so the first one was to identify what or who you're avoiding The Mm -hmm. second step was to quantify and identify how much your avoiding is costing you. And that Mm -hmm. can really be a lot of inspiration, I'll tell you. Because as soon as you start to see, oh my gosh, that's $60,000 that is not in my pocket because I'm not looking at this, I should really go look at this, right? (laughs) And then step three is to identify why you're avoiding. And then a quick little bonus tip for our listeners is to consider the other areas affected by your avoiding. It's not Mm -hmm. just an issue with money. Right. I mean, I've as clients step into this own your money, they also step into an own your life where they'll quit smoking, they'll lose weight, they'll exercise more because you're not, you know, and, and this is 
the length of how they become so much more productive at work, honestly, is because they don't feel so controlled by their money stress anymore. Yeah, that and that's that's really valuable. So, Belinda, what are some of the signs that we should be looking for to indicate that uh, there is some avoiding happening around uh, money, either for yourself or for your staff? And uh, you know, for are you stressed or struggling with money issues? What does it look like? Certainly. Well, it's interesting because in some ways stress about money is often not hid very well, right? Because mm. it's like we're we're more distracted or we're disconnected or you know, you're just feeling like people aren't really giving you their best performance. And money stress is really the number one stressor out there. So, you know, sometimes it's more obvious, sometimes it's cash advances. Um Sometimes you'll hear over you'll overhear conversations about bills or credit cards or loans. Other times it's an inability for people to talk about money freely, whether it's the company's or their own. Mm. But it's interesting because when people have this challenge, and it's funny because I mean I've even helped a lot of people in sales, right? Or like other other um, or purchasing, you know, other areas where you feel like they would be good with money when they have this underlying stress about money, they're not nearly as effective in their role as they can be. So Belinda, it's sort of a touchy subject. How's the best way to sort of softly suggest to someone that they may need help in this area? Mm. So true. Um, I mean, what I would say is that it's important to provide them the resources. Mm -hmm. And then easy access ways for everyone to be able to get them. And most, you know, keep in mind that most people are hiding this. They're spending a lot of energy hiding it. And so it may be difficult for them to ask for help. So what we want to do is we want to create a safe and open space for them to get that help. So it's often providing webinars for them or providing resources that Mm -hmm. they can get without having to specifically raise their hand or what I do is I often position it as like helping you when you're smart in all these other areas to become smart with money mm-hmm. so that there's no shame in raising your hand. It's really, to me, it's a, sh- it's a sign that these are people who really want to do better and be better in their life. And so that's the positioning around it. So right? rather than, yeah, rather than it being, um, you know, positioned as a remedial action, more as a proactive action. Yes. Yes, and we want it to be something that is looked at as desirable. It's encouraged by the organization, and it's um, it's a it's, positive. It's a positive, exactly, and it's provided as a way for them to really better themselves and better their um, their lives, and to you know, really to help them make their money go further. Mm. Because nowadays, it's like you know, what could that help? Yeah. Right? Then once people are able to do that, then they can really be better in their whole life. Mm. So is it important to discuss or offer financial in the financial training in the workplace? And, you know, if you think so, why is it why is it important? It's crucial, Donna, I have to tell you. And it's it's historically it's been so overlooked. And just recently we're starting to recognize the benefits of a new term called financial wellness, right? Mm. There's a wellness revolution that's happening very much in our world where we want to be healthier and we want to exercise more. And now people are starting to recognize that having 
health around this area of wealth, really, and having your finances together, you know, to, to come back to where we started really has such an impact on our overall health, on our overall well-being. And so I really feel that, that the companies who recognize this are more of the, I don't even want to say cutting edge, but they, they, they get it. Right, and they get the impact that it can have in terms of having happier employees and more um, engaged, fulfilled, and engaged. Thank you. That was where I was like <laughs> engaged employees, right? Because they're, um, you know, I think they really then. I mean, what I've seen when I've gone into organizations is that they really appreciate that the organization is looking out yep. for them in this crucial area because they don't know who to go to. Yep. And this is a little bit of why I decided to set up my own shop so that I could be independent and not work for a big company where people felt like I was going to want to take and invest their money, right? They got that really my sole purpose is to empower them to be more effective with their own money. Mm. Right. And to learn how to do that in whatever framework they're operating in. Mm. And so that independence really goes a long way for people to be able to trust me and to get that I have their best interest at heart. Wow. Uh, Belinda, you know, we just need to wrap up now. Do you have any closing thoughts or, or things that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, it's not too late. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how much of the time that people feel like, oh, I'm too old. You know, there's not enough time left. Yep. But it's the this the new think of this, right? This could literally be the most profitable hour and the most you know beneficial CD that you've listened to yet. If this helps you to exponentially really, I mean, that's what I see as possible, exponentially help the profits of your organization, your own personal profits, if you recognize this as a wake-up call mm. to, to allow yourself and allow your team to find this place to tell a new story, to create a new approach around money where it's not too late to make the changes to create the life you want and to be operating in this financial framework that really can work for you, not just where you feel like you're working, working, working on, on this this treadmill. <laughs> My, a new client just called it a merry-go-round, mm. right, where sometimes it's happy on one side, but most of the time it's sad and stressful. Wow. Right, And so, you know, she's like, I just want off, right? <laughs> and that's what a lot of people come to me at, right? So if you recognize that, like, Let's just take you off of the treadmill and get you running forward effectively, efficiently engaged that, that it's not too late and we can absolutely help you to own your money, own your life and become the real money maker and money saver that's possible for you. Well, Belinda, it's been great to have a conversation with you and, and to get some really fantastic insights and I'm sure many of our listeners um, have probably never even considered some of the topics we, we explored and touched on today. Now I've got no doubt some of our listeners might be interested in touching base with you or to either get more information on the services you offer or, or check out some of your online courses. How's the best way for them to contact you? Thanks so much for asking Donna. I, I would love to have everybody start by getting their free gift 
to eliminate your money stress once and for all and to, to find that place for you to take action with your money. And so you can go to ownyourmoney.com forward slash gift and, and use that as an opportunity to take action. So again, that's ownyourmoney.com forward slash gift. And if you want to contact me directly, I would love that. Email me at info at ownyourmoney.com. Definitely mention Donna's name. And I'd love to have a conversation about how we can bring this, this new higher education really to your organization oh fantastic look belinda thank you again so much for your time listeners thank you for joining us for this expert insight cd for more information on productivity technology strategy and training visit the website donnahanson.com.au until next time this is donna hansen helping you work smarter and not harder with technology bye for now Right. Or like other other um, or purchasing, you know, other areas where you feel like they would be good with money when they have this underlying stress about money. They're not nearly as effective in their role as they can be. So, Belinda, it's sort of a touchy subject. How's the best way to sort of softly suggest to someone that they may need help in this area? Mm. So true. Um I mean, what I would say is that it's important to provide them the resources mm-hmm. and then easy access ways for everyone to be able to get them. And most, you know, keep in mind that most people are hiding this. They're spending a lot of energy hiding it. And so it may be difficult for them to ask for help. So what we want to do is we want to create a safe and open space for them to get that help. So it's often providing webinars for them or providing resources that Mm -hmm. they can get without having to specifically raise their hand or what I do is I often position it as like helping you when you're smart in all these other areas to become smart with money Mm -hmm. so that there's no shame in raising your hand it's really to me it's a shot it's a sign that these are people who really want to do better and be better in their life. And so that's the positioning around it. So rather than, yeah, rather than it being, um, you know, positioned as a remedial action, more as a proactive action. Yes, yes. And we want it to be something that is looked at as desirable. It's encouraged by the organization and it's... um, It's it's a positive it's a positive, exactly, and it's provided as a way for them to really better themselves and better their um, their lives, and to and really to help them make their money go further. Mm. Because nowadays, it's like, you know, what could that help? Yeah. Right. Then once people are able to do that, then they can really be better in their whole life. Mm. So is it important to discuss or offer financial in the financial training in the workplace and you know if you think so why is it why is it important It's crucial Donna I have to tell you and it's it's historically it's been so overlooked and just recently we're starting to recognize the benefits of a new term called financial wellness, right? Mm. There's a wellness revolution that's happening very much in our world where we want to be healthier and we want to exercise more. And now people are starting to recognize that having health around this area of wealth, really, and having your finances together 
you know, to, to come back to where we started really has such an impact on our overall health, on our overall well-being. And so I really feel that, that the companies who recognize this are more of the, I don't even want to say cutting edge, but they, they, they get it. Right, and they get the impact that it can have in terms of having happier employees and more um, engaged, and fulfilled, and engaged. Thank you. That was the word I was like <laughs> engaged employees, right? Because they're, um, you know, I think they really then. I mean, what I've seen when I've gone into organizations is that they really appreciate that the organization is looking out yep. for them in this crucial area because they don't know who to go to. Yeah. And this is a little bit of why I decided to set up my own shop so that I could be independent and not work for a big company where people felt like I was going to want to take and invest their money. Right. They got that really my sole purpose is to empower them to be more effective with their own money, Mm. right? And to learn how to do that in whatever framework they're operating in. Mm. And so that independence really goes a long way for people to be able to trust me and to get that I have their best interest at heart. Wow. Um, Belinda, you know, we just need to wrap up now. Do you have any closing thoughts or, or things that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, it's not too late. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how much of the time that people feel like, oh, I'm too old. You know, there's not enough time left. Yep. But it's the this the new think of this, right? This could literally be the most profitable hour and the most you know beneficial CD that you've listened to yet. If this helps you to exponentially really, I mean, that's what I see as possible, exponentially help the profits of your organization, your own personal profits, if you recognize this as a wake-up call mm. to, to allow yourself and allow your team to find this place to tell a new story, to create a new approach around money where it's not too late to make the changes to create the life you want and to be operating in this financial framework that really can work for you, not just where you feel like you're working, working, working on, on this this treadmill. <laughs> a new client just called it a merry-go-round, mm. right, where sometimes it's happy on one side, but most of the time it's sad and stressful. Wow. Right? And so, you know, she's like, I just want off, right? <laughs> and that's what a lot of people come to me at, right? So if you recognize that, like, Let's just take you off of the treadmill and get you running forward effectively, efficiently engaged that that it's not too late and we can absolutely help you to own your money, own your life and become the real money maker and money saver that's possible for you. Well, Belinda, it's been great to have a conversation with you and and to get some really fantastic insights. And I'm sure many of our listeners um, have probably never even considered some of the topics we, we explored and touched on today. Now, I've got no doubt some of our listeners might be interested in touching base with you or to either get more information on the services you offer or, or check out some of your online courses. How's the best way for them to contact you? Thanks so much for asking, Donna. I, I would love to have everybody start by getting their free gift to eliminate your money stress once and for all and to, to find that place 
for you to take action with your money. And so you can go to ownyourmoney.com forward slash gift and, and use that as an opportunity to take action. So again, that's ownyourmoney.com forward slash gift. And if you want to contact me directly, I would love that. Email me at info at ownyourmoney.com. Definitely mention Donna's name. And I'd love to have a conversation about how we can bring this, this new higher education really to your organization. Oh, fantastic. Look, Belinda, thank you again so much for your time. Listeners, thank you for joining us for this Expert Insights CD. For more information on productivity, technology, strategy and training, visit the website donnahanson.com.au. Until next time, this is Donna Hanson helping you work smarter and not harder with technology. Bye for now.